You are listening to Radiant Creators, a collaborative project composed of people whose passion, purpose, and dedication requires forging their own unique path of empowerment and livelihood. A Radiant Creator isn't making a living, they are living. Fiona Edgar, welcome to Radiant Creators. It's great to have you back on again. It's always nice to have guests that we've had on on again because it's just an easy conversation then. It's like two friends hanging out and catching up. So uh, how are things going over there? Yeah, thanks, Craig. It's really nice to be back again. Um, Things are okay. Uh, There's like this sense of... You know, people are scared and in fear of this um, this coronavirus thing. Um, it's just this anticipation that everyone's feeling. But I think it's the same everywhere. Hopefully, I think it's, it's hopefully going to blow over after the retrograde ends because this whole thing has been so typical of a Mercury retrograde in Pisces. Um, Pisces rules over viruses and diseases because if you think Pisces struggles with boundaries, the planet Neptune has no boundaries. So this is very typical. And also we have the confusion. No one knows what it is, where it started, where it came from. So I'm hoping it will blow over. I hope so. Yeah, you mentioned Mercury retrograde and, you know, sometimes Mercury retrograde can go by and you, well, you as an astrologer are paying more attention, but sometimes a person who's aware of Mercury retrograde, you know, aware of astrology to some extent, will just realize, oh wow, a Mercury retrograde went by, I didn't even notice, that can happen, but this time, of course, I knew it was coming, and wow, this one has been particularly uh, rocky, for me at least, definitely felt the uh, transit in and I'm aware that we're in it so it seems like uh, this might be a bit of a globally strong murky retrograde would you say this one has a bit of uh, teeth to it especially yes with the coronavirus and you did do uh, a uh, a recording on that that you put on Facebook where people can learn more about that about the coronavirus from an astrological perspective but yeah would you say that this murky retrograde is particularly interesting <laughs> Yes, I think so. Yeah, well, like it's all started at the start of the year there. We had the the Saturn and Pluto conjunction. So when that happens, uh, astrologers knew that something big was coming because when those two planets get together, it's never just going to be a small thing. So that was really, I think that was in December and that's when they first became aware of the virus. But the thing is, with Saturn and Pluto coming together, it's all about fear being used as a weapon. Uh, fear being used um, so the, the powers that be can can control us more. It may have been an experiment. I, I'm not sure. Some people are saying it was a biological weapon. I don't know. It's Neptune. No one ever knows what the hell is going on when Neptune is involved. So even just without the virus stuff, Yes, this nep- this Mercury retrograde has been tough emotionally, I think, because it's a water sign. I just, you know, I have been feeling off. I-, I can't explain it. My dreams have been weird. Neptune and Pisces are connected to dreams. And Pisces very much affects our energy levels. So Mercury retrograde, if any planet is in retrograde, it has the potential to make things feel very slow. 
And I just think it's like we've been walking through a swamp or walking through just this thick, heavy energy. So I'm hoping that it does pass soon. Mercury goes direct on the 10th. And then we do have the shadow period after that. But after that, I really hope that things pick up again. I think so, for sure. And I think you mentioned in your uh, recording you did about the uh, coronavirus, the astrology of it, was that you didn't put so much weight on the shadow period. Because I, I know myself, if I took the shadow periods into account, I know they exist, but if I really took those into account, like half the year would be in retrograde. You know what I mean? So I kind of go, when you're when you station retrograde, then that's when it starts. And once you go the right direction, that's when it ends. That's always been where it really exists for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the shadow periods, it's supposed to be two weeks, like before and after. Personally, I only ever feel something for about a week, like a week before it goes retrograde and then a week after it ends. The energy can just become a bit wonky because Mercury is stationing and, you know, like maybe your electronics are fried or you're feeling fried. But really, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. We cannot put our lives on hold for like five weeks, three times a year. It's just not possible. So the best way to get through a retrograde is to be prepared. Find out what it's going to do before it goes retrograde. What sign is it going to be in? What planets are being affected? And then it's always a good idea to check your personal chart. Because if it makes a square or a conjunction or any aspect to your personal chart, you will feel it. And that's important, what you're mentioning there. Uh, and I would definitely recommend that if someone's interested in astrology, interested in knowing more about their chart, uh, or if they're already familiar and they want to just know even more, definitely uh, Fiona does charts for people you can do them text only or you can do on via skype i believe right and yeah. uh you know here at the radiant creator central we've had <laughs> charts done with fiona and we know other people who have and you know there are astrologers that are okay and there's astrologers that are really great where there's it, there, there's it seems like most astrologers are either okay or they're really good and so as fiona is one of the really good ones where <laughs> you, you 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 get something from it that you just would not have expected. You know, you, you, you get insight that you know is real. And then also, throughout the year, if a person does get their yearly reading or every six months or whatever, you know, it really is good to know what, let's say, Mercury retrograde is going to do that year for you. Because, yeah, there's Mercury retrograde, and we all know, okay, it happens, and, you know, my computer stops working, and it's hard to get a hold of people. We know stuff like that happens. I get a flat tire, that kind of thing happens. But really, where it is in an individual's chart and how it affects them specifically, that is an incredible uh, knowledge to have because since Mercury retrograde is a pain in the ass anyway, you might as well get the most you can out of it and know how it's affecting you and then how you individually can work on that during the process. Yeah, I mean, there's always an upside. There's always an upside. Like Mercury retrograde has become this huge thing that people who don't normally pay any attention to astrology are panicking and you know I even saw on a tv advertisement over here and it's like it's like the new buzz word or the new buzz phrase um it doesn't happen for no reason it happens because there's a little there's a part of our life that needs to be reviewed or needs to be improved upon 
So it's an opportunity. I like to see it as an opportunity. I mean, this Mercury retrograde, it has been bad, but and very difficult at times, but it's been really good for creativity and creative projects. Mercury in Pisces is really good for creating artwork, writing, anything to do with making films or photography. So if you, you know, if if you know that beforehand, you can say, okay, well, maybe I'll have car issues or maybe I'll have relationship issues, but I can channel all of this energy into something really positive. Because one of the forgotten aspects of Mercury retrograde, I think, is that Mercury also pays you back for work you put into things. I've always found it to be the case where, yes, it creates difficulty, but I've oftentimes found, and I do believe this is correct, I'll ask you if I'm, if, if, if I'm right on this one, but Mercury also does pay you back. It's kind of a time where you get rewarded also during this difficult time. Yes, yeah, that's you're you're absolutely right. So when any of the planets are retrograde, it is a time of karma. So it can be, yes, you know, you kind of something really good happens to you. I mean, for example, during this retrograde, I have had a breakthrough in terms of my health. Um, you know, I've I've made progress in that area. So my my Neptune and my birth chart sits in the part of my chart that rules my health. So it's not always a bad thing. And yeah, you do get you do get rewards at times. Um but yeah, like Mercury and any of the planets going retrograde can be a time of karma. Yeah, it's and I think it's always nice to uh expect that to some extent if our expectation can help create our reality which i think it can if you say all right nip you know mercury i know how you're going to affect me during this this retrograde and i'll work on that i get it but i want some payback too all right i've been good and <laughs> i've been working on my stuff so yes. so yeah yeah so we'll both show up for this okay mercury how about that i'll meet you in the middle so well uh thomas sheridan who we both do follow i believe you know, yeah. a very jolly character over there in your in your side of the world. Um, he does something called his psychic weather reports. So I'll definitely give him, you know, credit for that term, psychic weather. I think it's a, just, I, I love his little reports because he looks a little deeper into events that are going on right now. And I know you are definitely an intuitive. So I'd ask, how do you feel? Or is there anything you're picking up in the psychic weather right now? What, what kind of things do you think are influencing humanity what's happening psychically out there i mean there's so much energy right now so what are some things maybe you're picking up on out there yeah yeah thomas is a cool guy um he really is a top guy and his reports are really useful i have been feeling a bit of kind of dark energy around um the past few past few weeks so I'm not sure where it's coming from, like, you know, if it's like chemtrails or, but on an energetic level, I, I have kind of felt very, very sluggish and, you know, just not feeling, feeling my best. So mm. I think that if we look at the elite, they are very aware of astrology and they use astrology. And that's why, you know, they tried to make astrology into this big joke like sun sign astrology and sun sign horoscopes, but they still use it. All of the top people still use astrology and they have astrologers. 
So they are aware of when it's going to be the best time for them to, you know, unleash something or do something. Mm. So you, you can bet that they're taking advantage of the retrograde as we speak. Mm. Oh, and you're gone. Sorry about that. I'm actually here. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That happens. I pushed the wrong I, I pushed the I wrong... I thought someone was closing you down because they didn't like what I just said. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes they push that button. You know, uh, you have to reconnect. Well, it just means you know, you know that you're on, you, you know you're on to something when that happens. But no, that was actually, that one technically I think was just Mercury and me not pushing the button. <laughs> you know. So, but... No, especially like with the, what you're saying, the, the the influence of you know Pisces during this retrograde, uh, um, and that being a, about uh, uh, you're mentioning viruses and um, what was it, virus and ah, I, I froze up there. So yeah, Mercury being in Pisces and being retrograde right now, right now, you mentioned that that does affect viruses and what else? Um, yeah, viruses and diseases. Viruses and so, diseases. Yeah, so that actually Neptune, you know, Neptune is in Pisces and will continue to be there for another five years. Um, we're seeing, a, I mean, there's, you know, since Neptune entered Pisces, we've been seeing this increase in these strange diseases that the medical establishment either refused to acknowledge you know that they exist or they just don't treat them properly like Lyme disease Bartonella you know all of the Lyme co-diseases um, that's becoming a huge problem there are so many people that are suffering from that over here the medical treatment is like completely useless I don't even think that they acknowledge that such a thing as chronic Lyme actually exists so over in the States, it's a bit better, and you can get, get a doctor that's experienced with Lyme. But so many people are being gaslighted, and, you know, that's really Neptunian. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's just your mind. Here, have these, have these antidepressants. Um, so, like, that's going to get a bit worse over the next few years, I feel. And then maybe we'll have a breakthrough when Neptune goes into Aries. Mm. Well, Neptune and Aries would definitely be hotter, as you could say. Because, yeah, Neptune being, uh, I mean, that being like Poseidon, I mean, that being the, the Neptune is oftentimes where our, well, well, how do I define it? Well, Neptune and Pisces, I mean, to me, they, they have a lot in in common energy-wise. So, gosh, when you have Neptune in Pisces, that that is quite the stirring of the depths and especially delusion. And I think that could also be a time when could it well people who have a propensity for addiction it seems like they could be affected too mm -hmm. you know? yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah neptune does rule over addictions so we are seeing a lot of people that are addicted to pharmaceuticals mm. um which just you know no one really talks about and it gets glossed over there are a lot of deaths c connected to pharmaceuticals so all of that is very Neptunian. Mm, and then, wh when did Neptune enter Pisces? 
Um, gosh, I can't, actually can't remember the exact year, um, but it's been there for quite some time okay, now. So it's been there for a couple of years. And then, and, and then it goes into Aries. You mentioned it was like five years from now? Yeah, yeah, okay. five years. Five years. Yeah. Well, that's something. That, yeah, I, I forget how long it takes Neptune to go through a house. But so if, if it's been there for a while and then it's leaving and moving into Aries, well, that would be, that would kind of not, I, I can imagine Neptune and Aries would be quite the, Quite, quite good partners, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd rather see Neptune in, in Aries just because Aries is tougher where you've got Pisces, which is kind of a doormat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Neptune actually is the ruler of Pisces. So really? it's, okay. Yeah, it's at home there. Um, so we see the best and the worst. Mm, the best and the worst. So, yeah, I mean Neptune. Neptune spends about fourteen years in a sign. Every, mm. you know, it, it takes fourteen years to transit through one sign. So, I mean, if you look back over the last um, ten years, you know, things to do with uh, addictions that that has become much worse, and then the disease things that we talked about, viruses. But Neptune rules over creativity, spirituality. Uh, a lot of people are rediscovering spirituality as opposed to religion. I know that it's it's very true over here. There's been a massive return to paganism. I think it's true over in the States as well. Oh, I would say so. Um, well, one of the things about like 14 years Neptune being in Pisces and it being the best and the worst, um, of course, we do see medical breakthroughs right now, but we also see a lot of strange things like uh, transhumanism, you know, and you've got uh, a lot of the, I'm just going to say the elite, as in people who have a lot of money and not a lot of moral backbone, you know. Uh, it, I mean, I'm fine if a person's wealthy, but just when I say the elite, I mean the, uh, the just the nasty ones, you know. Um, they want to be frozen. They want to have like their, their mind downloaded, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So we're seeing this. I think transhumanism to me is something which we've seen in the last 10 years. I mean, that definitely could be a Neptune and Pisces energy. I always say transhumanism. I want to be a machine. I want to have my consciousness downloaded. And I want to be, that to me is weird. It ultimately is, uh, you know, you could call it a disease. It's, 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 uh, it somehow seems to fit into that. But at the same time, um, we're seeing uh, like, here in the states for sure we're seeing it is just the, the the horrific opioid crisis you know we're seeing uh both things that people take that are legal you could say like oxycontin percocet these things people get their hands on and they can never they never stop doing them you know it's horrible but then also you just see that you know i mean we i say it compassionately but we call them like meth heads and crack heads i mean it's very hard to go to like a walmart and get through the parking lot with have, without having some strange person thinking that like your car is theirs so really we are kind of at i feel like a tipping point here at least in the states where um legal and illegal drug addiction and people just being out of their minds is really coming to a uh kind of a volcanic eruption really it's it's getting to the point where society can't ignore it and it seems like society is not so much just some are but i think more are not just looking at the surface level they're looking at like let's go deeper you know why are people addicted to these horrible things and then you know who pushed that like let's not just make it all the victim's fault let's look at a bigger picture 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think I think the problem comes from that people have these these health issues and the doctors can't help them. You know, they're not they're not able to help them with with pharmaceutical drugs um, and natural medicine. They just completely, you know, don't recommend that and they, they don't want you to use that. So someone goes to the doctor and they have pain and the only thing that that doctor has to offer them are these really addictive, strong drugs. And that's basically how it all starts. It's really sad because, you know, I'm someone that, that's had health issues all my life. I have autoimmune issues and I honestly, I've never had any amount of decent help from from doctors or, you know, the the, estab- the medical establishment. It's all been through my diet and through through herbal medicine. But they just totally, you know, they make it really difficult now for people to, to get herbal medicine. They put all of these restrictions. The European Union was trying to ban plants that have been used for thousands of years. It's just crazy. They just don't want them to be used because the pharmaceutical industry is they make so much money and they have way too much control. And they do seem to control what doctors can even say from what I've seen because a lot of doctors, I believe I would say most, they want it to help people when they got involved, but then they find that, well, wait a second, here's your toolbox, which is regulate it completely. And here's what you can say and you can't say anything else. So if somebody's in pain, like when it comes to keeping their insurance and their license and all this stuff, you can prescribe these things, but outside of that, you cannot. So really, doctors are, I think they're in a hard spot because they either play the game or they won't be doctors anymore. I'm not sure if people always realize how regulated, like quite literally everything a doctor can do and say and, and, and even su- suggest in any way is completely regulated from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it is hard because they do genuinely want to help people, but then they're unable to. I remember growing up in the, you know, I grew up in the 80s. My mother's doctor used to offer homeopathy and they would never be allowed to do that now. Yeah, times are changing. Well, something that you mentioned was how people over in, and you're in Ireland, of course, right? And yeah. so over there, there is a resurgence of the pagan, of paganism, which is, that can mean a lot. But I would ask, you know, uh, psychic weather-wise, which is basically, you know, how, what you intuit and what you see. Um, and of course, since I think both of us, you know, well, many people that we know, you know, our tribe are always kind of looking at the news, kind of looking at what's going on in the world, but we see it a little differently. It's not so much just the headline, it's what what's behind it, you know? So how do you feel about this uh, resurgence of paganism? Because like, how would you define that and how are you seeing it? Because yes, this is happening, but I think you might actually see it cl- more clearly than, than I do, for sure. Yeah, well, I think that people are missing something. You know, they're missing, they feel like they're missing something spiritually. And Christianity is kind of dying a death now. You know, the, no one's going to church anymore. Um, it's mostly like fairly old, older people that are going to church. And coming from Ireland, 
a lot of our history has been really destroyed, covered up. Um, like the Vikings settled here, the Norse. We all, most of us, have Norse ancestry. It's so obvious if you go to Ireland and then you go to somewhere like Sweden. Like you can really see that the people are so similar. But we have that, we have that um, in our in our backgrounds, in our heritage. This um, Celtic and Norse. Celtic and Norse paganism and when I was at school I barely learned anything about that part of history it was all like St. Patrick and then like all of the kind of more modern stuff like the war I never learned that half of the the, the place names in Ireland are you know have Norse origins my mother's maiden name is of Norse origin my my marital name is of Norse no one ever told us that so when you get older and you start to kind of do some research and then you discover that, you know, Odin and Thor, you just, there's just something that resonates so strongly within you. And it's just like something is being reconnected that that was lost. And it does seem that there's a real spiritual battle going on right now. Maybe that's part of the awakening because something that I see is that like here in this country, I look at uh, the demons of socialism, I will call them, have been awoken. And that's what I would call them, basically. Uh, like Stalin and Lenin's ghost, basically. And we kind of have this neo-Bolshevism, is what I would call it, happening in this country. And, you know, you've got Bernie, that that old nut, um, running for president and such and you know a man who's been too lazy his entire life to comb his hair or stand up straight I mean for the most part so mm, we have this frightening energy that I feel has been awoken but at the same time I'm feeling in the American people there's a uh, a really tough uh, sovereign being it's almost like there's been so something else is waking up in this country too to, to, to meet it. And it seems like we really are in the midst of uh, spiritual warfare is where it's really happening. It's almost like what is good and what is evil. And I, I, uh, do, to, to me, it does exist. But of course, I think you've got like the neo-Bolshevik side, like the, the demons of socialism, which they don't have those concepts of right and wrong and things like that. And so it seems like there's like spiritually the country is breaking in half or maybe breaking like it's only one quarter versus three quarters, whatever. But there's this evolutionary direction change where some people are just degenerating back into, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, I don't know, praying to the demons of Stalin and stuff. Then you have those who are, they're kind of thinking about like a new earth. You might say they really are. They're like, okay, I'm beginning to understand my history. I understand what's going on. It's like there's something like how do you pick up on that? There, there is something I think magical happening here in the states, but I think possibly in the world too. Maybe America's leading that. I'm not sure, but it does seem that these old demons have been awakened, awoken. But like you say, maybe that like neo pagan has been awoken also. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. We are seeing that over here as well. I mean, there's this like terrifying. I, I find personally find it terrifying um, that all of these 
and they mostly are millennials, I think, um, have started to become, you know, to see communism and socialism as the solution. That what you know they are they haven't. I don't know if they're not teaching this stuff in school anymore or whatever. But it's really scary, and you know the whole the whole gender um, thing where they they don't identify as one or the other. I mean, it's just it's totally crazy. Um, but yeah, I think that I I do see though that people want to go back to to their roots. They and I did say I made this prediction just before Saturn went into Capricorn that people would get fed up of this crazy Looney Tunes world that we live in, where you can't say she or he, and you know you offend people by assuming their gender and all of that nonsense. People are tired of that. We 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 saw that in the results of the last British election. You know, Boris Johnson is now PM, and the people voted for him simply because, well, he's not a communist for starters. But it was really positive to see that. It gave a lot of us hope because the 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 snowflakes are still in the minority. They are the ones that shout the lo- the loudest and have tantrums. You know, they write all over social media and. They're so dramatic, but really they are still in the minority. So I hope that it continues to stay that way. But a lot of young people, a lot of millennials are turning their backs on that as well. And they are, you know, they're more interested in a traditional lifestyle, you know, having kids, getting married, um, growing their own vegetables and returning to paganism. And it's really encouraging to see that. Yeah, here in the States, we, we, we have something we call TDI, which is like Trump derangement syndrome. And I think that it's unfortunately not a perfect term because it's not really uh, about Trump per se. It's that we have a situation here where you do have like your neo-Bolshevik, as I call them, you're, you're kind of new socialist, or you can call it like the democratic socialists, like they call it here. And they're very uh, anti-life, ultimately. So if it brings life, if it supports a good life, if it supports personal power, they find it to be tremendously offensive, you know? And I look at that and think, that is a lot of programming. That, a lot has gone into this because it just seems like the world has been turned upside down. Like what brings life to them is what brings death. It's almost like, good and evil have literally been switched within their being. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And, you know, the the United States is going to go through its Pluto return uh, in a couple of years, and it's going to be interesting to see what what happens there because we're already seeing this polarization, you know? There's no middle ground anymore. You're either one or the other. You're You're either with us or against us. So... You know, that's going to, the the power, Pluto is all about power. So uh, when a country experiences a Pluto return, it's only ever going to be a country that experiences that because Pluto takes 240 years to make a, you know, a, to go around the zodiac wheel. Um, the rebalancing of power is going to occur. But it may be a bit shaky. You know, there may be some uprisings and things like that to deal with. Yeah, 240 years. That's That would make sense, actually. Historically, that's a, a time when 
a lot of empires fall apart 250 years and then also there's like a a thousand year mark where they fall apart and such i mean historically the uh, 250 year mark or, or so around there it always you know varies a bit but that definitely is a time when empires fall and i know people do a lot of conjecture but like along with what you're saying here in the states where we are seeing states more and more want to break apart or one half of a state join the other half of a state and such like that and i think that you know america is in the midst of a spiritual revolution and i think that uh, ultimately I do think it's possible, although I know some shake their head and say it absolutely is not. I think that we could be headed for a peaceful revolution where the country sort of reorganizes itself. Um, but I don't see it possible that it stays the same as far as structure. Like I think, uh, um, do you, how, how do you feel about this over on your side of the world? Because I would say we have here, of course, the separation of church and state, which I would say most people, for the sake of argument, think it's a good idea, probably. Um, but it also seems like now we're getting into a, a new era where we need kind of a separation between city and state. You know what I mean? Because like the cities tend to be ruled by the neo-Bolsheviks. I guess you could say like the, the, the socialists kind of exist in the cities, but the rest of a country or the rest of a state, um, it it doesn't happen there and it seems that somehow like here in america we've got to have an evolution where cities can have their sovereignties and states can have their sovereignties rather than cities control the states um yeah yeah so you know it is well i i come from northern ireland and quite honestly it's still quite backwards i mean they're very much christianity still very much dominates um a lot of our daily lives here, like it's, you know, we have limited hours that we can go shopping on a Sunday. And, you know, that's our own fault because they keep voting these kind of dinosaurs in that, um, you know, they're just, they're just kind of Christian dinosaurs. And I think that's, I don't know what's happening over there. Like this is something that I don't really hear a lot about um, in terms of the US. But at the moment in Europe, they're really trying to pump all of these refugees into our countries. And it's kind of terrifying because, you know, it's not about racism or anything like that. But they're trying to make Islam the dominant religion because they know that Christianity is dying. And quite honestly, it's a slave religion. So they're bringing this other slave religion in to replace Christianity with. And it is, it's scary to think about because, you know, like you say, we could be coming into this more enlightened age. People are trying to, to shake off that, you know, that control and oppression. I mean, people aren't, don't have any freedom under these religions. So it's just terrifying to think that we could go, potentially go back into the dark ages through the vote, you know, it's not going to be done through the sword. It's going to be done when the majority of people are Muslims. And it just, it's terrifying to me. Oh, no, I understand. I understand. And that's the thing. I, I wonder about, well, not wonder. I mean, I guess I maybe almost have a hypothesis, I guess you could say. When I look at, yeah, immigration has become, or you should say mass immigration, or you could say planned immigration uh, by globalists, basically, you know, globalist planned uh, invasion that is designed to destroy 
ancient cultures and such like that, obviously, um, and destroy. I mean, yeah, and of course, it, it's when people say these things, oftentimes it will sound horrible to some people, but no. Um, Ireland has a very good right to be continue being Ireland. And, you know, it it's a... Every border, I think, especially the older it is, every land does have a racial concept. You know what I mean? Most people who live there look like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, and that didn't just happen. That's an evolution over time. And I think that, you know, we're not just individuals living on a planet you know we are the planet and so in a sense we are the land that we are born it's in our bone marrow and i think as those generations and generations happen you know you are the land that you were born you know Mm -hmm. and so in a sense that's all it really is and i think these things are natural it's just a natural thing uh and you know with that said i i question when i see uh how uh, you know, Turkey has kind of uh, let uh, refugees, as they would call them, I'm not sure exactly w- w- what they call them, um, go through Turkey into, oh gosh, what is it? Um, Greece. Greece, yes. And, uh, you know, bless those that are suffering and they're trying to escape it, but it doesn't seem to me like that's really what is happening at all because I was watching people go across that that, uh, that water body from like Turkey into Greece, and I forget what sea that is called, but um, I'm watching and I'm like, wait a second, these are expensive boats. Yeah. I'm like, these are the kind that have the tubes, I forget what they call their, uh, I forget the particular term. But I was looking, wait a second, where'd they get all these $60,000 boats? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it isn't just one. No, they have a lot. You know, this looks like D-Day footage when the Americans were going into France. You know what I mean? I'm like, wait a second. Somebody is putting a lot of money. What, these people um, who are supposedly refugees, who are down on luck, who are trying to escape death... What, did they get to the other shore and go, oh, we want to get over there. Let's go over to the uh, uh, boat dealership and let's all go buy like a hundred of the same boat that costs 60 grand a piece. What? You know what I mean? Somebody is funding that invasion. Yeah, it's probably George Soros. I'm yeah. sure he had a hand in it. He's usually behind stuff like that. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just so awful. I do feel, I feel for them because... You know, when you in Syria, their country has been torn apart. Um, thanks, Obama. And like anyone would want to escape that, but it's not the way. Like they need to stay and re, you know to rebuild to rebuild what has been taken from them. But it is an invasion, you know. And as a European uh, and being Irish, my my history, my pagan history, has been erased. You know, the the pagan myths that survived were rewritten by Christian monks. Like, that's, it's so, so sad. So, potentially, we could be looking at that again. And Islam, I mean, they, look what they've done in Iraq. They've torn down thousands of, you know, they've turned, torn down structures that are thousands of years old and destroyed all of this archaeological, archaeological buildings and artwork, so it's just, 
you you can see their agenda but their their weapon is to use these white liberals against us and make people too scared to speak up because they're going to be called racist yeah exactly it's uh it it is quite the manipulation that's going on right now so yeah, so there is this spiritual war going on. You know, I think that you, and I think what what's natural would be to be going back to a more pagan uh, spirituality because as uh, a guy named Neil Kramer, quite the modern day philosopher, uh, he said that uh, when it comes to people that are churchgoers, um, uh, your typical, you know, uh, Christian individual, he, he was saying how it's surprising how most are not spiritual. And they would actually even admit it. You know what I mean? Like, they're not. But they are communal. They love the community, you know. But they're not spiritual at their core. And most would admit that. You know, do you really believe in this? Do you, you know, what do you think? And they would say, well, no. I'm, this is just kind of how our community works. We're, we're Catholic or whatever. And that gives us a church to go to and community support. And, well, it's supposed to make you a better person, so I do it. And you say, but do you believe is it in your bone marrow? Do you know? You know, and surprisingly, most will say, "No, I don't. I, I'm just here for the community." You know, I'm here for the uh, yard sales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 you know what I mean. I'm I'm here for the uh, church bake sale and to make sure that my kids are around at least somewhat quality individuals as they grow up and things like that. But most are not spiritual, and so that's the big difference between like that mentality, that life, which is okay. I'm not not knocking it or praising it. But I think that's what it is, and I think that's a pretty accurate assumption, um, a, a definition. But the the uh, going back to a more pagan ideal, a bit more pagan life. Now that at its core is spiritual, and it's also connected to the land, especially the land of your ancestry. Yes, yes, it's very much connected to the the land of our ancestry. And when you do go um, and do some research and then, you know, you start to get involved with your native spirituality, I cannot tell you how empowering it is. It's been, you know, it's been very, it's been very strengthening for me. I mean, Christianity, the God is a, a desert God from the Middle East. It has literally nothing to do with, with this land. And the conversion didn't happen by, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't done willingly for the most part. It was done by the sword. The pagans were slaughtered. But I would encourage anyone who's interested in paganism and wants to kind of get back to their roots, any, you know, any Europeans, to check out the Ausa through Folk Assembly. Those guys are doing some really good work um, and they have a large community. And I think you're right in that a lot of people, you know, they they spend time with their church and they're part of groups and associations because it gives them that sense of community that they don't get anywhere else. Yeah. And you mentioned Alsa True. So I'll link to that in the show notes. If you can like send me their website or something like sure. that and we'll make sure that we get that out there. Well, yeah. There, so there is, there is a, you know, it's funny. And then people coming to their, to their roots too. Um, since I'm well American and I'm over here in America, I kind of speak from this perspective, you know, because it's where I'm at. But I think something that we're seeing here is a bit of a resurgence of real knowledge of our history. A lot is going on over here. I think that, uh, you know, for one thing, a huge one 
that's affecting, I think, this country is uh, cryptocurrency, crypto, basically Bitcoin. It's not, it's not so much whether a person is into cryptocurrencies or not, or into Bitcoin. I mean, let's just say there's, there's many, but let's just say Bitcoin is the one. It's the big standard Bitcoin. Um, a lot of people are getting into, well, wait a second. Why did we go off the gold standard in 1971? Here in this country. Supposedly it was for our benefit, but if you look at the charts, the dollar has lost pretty much all of its value since then. It's worthless now, you know, and we're told that like cryptocurrency, Bitcoin is not, has no value because it's based on nothing. Well, the American currency has been based on nothing since 1971. And as our president back then put it, pretty much he goes, well, let's just base our currency on a preponderance and a monopoly of violence and will threaten the world into making it the standard. Well, that's some serious karma. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's not going to work forever. <laughs> and that's starting to change. The world is changing. And I think that here in the States, we have a lot of people who are realizing, wait a second, you mean, wow, we live, whoa, I mean, my currency has no value. We've got, you know, it's funny, but there's a lot of waking up, and I think there's a lot of waking up to uh, to how we've been manipulated by the you know central banks and this and that, um, and how more and more people, especially like the millennial generation, one thing they're going through is well, they can't retire like their parents did because that option is now gone. You know, it doesn't exist in this country anymore. Um, where their parents, since the value, has, since the currency still had some value, you could say throughout your lifetime and then retire. But for them, the currency is devaluing too quickly. You might as well spend it today because it'll be less tomorrow. There's no future for you, millennial. Sorry, um, I'm not trying to be a, <laughs> a downer, but that's just the truth, you know. Um, yeah. And so things are changing, and we're looking back at our country, and I think we're. Um, I think a lot of people are beginning to study like World War II, for instance, and, and what was that really about? And what are some of the things that happened? And how did our country change course during and after that? And there's just a tremendous amount of people who are just going, wait a second. Like we can talk about like paganism. Yes, there's a resurgence. But also it seems like um, there is a also any an emergence of people realizing, wait a second, the world that I live in, um, the truth is going to destroy it. And I think the truth is here. <laughs> yeah. How, is that happening over there too? <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it's just, it's very hard. Um, it, it's hard to have a family. It's hard to buy a home. Then when you do buy the home, you know, you spend the rest of your life paying for it. And then when you die, the government want to tax you on it before you leave it to your kids. Or if they put you in a, you know, if you get put in a home, they'll just take all of the money. They'll take your home and, and sell it. So it's really hard to to do things the way, you know, the life that our parents had or the, our grandparents, it just doesn't exist anymore. You know, they sold us this this dream of feminism um, where women are supposedly more free sitting at a desk for 40 hours a week and being someone's slave than, 
you know, raising their kids and being at home with them. But now, like, both both parents have to be working. For the average person, they both have to be working in order to... So the kids, they don't get brought up at home. They get put in a nursery. It is. Something has to change. And I think you're right that more people are waking up. More people, even if they're not interested in, you know, astrology and they don't watch... They don't listen to podcasts like this. They watch the news. They know that something is wrong. They know that something is very, very wrong, and that it can't, it can't go on like this. Yeah, and it's fun to be um, in the place that we're at. You know, our little like radiant creator, radiant creators audience is at is that um, they're not just waking up to this. Like for some people, this just happened. You know, <laughs> you know, what yeah. I mean? <laughs> it's like, oh, wait a second. Like they're texting their friends. Hey, guess what? I just realized something, you know, it's like, no. So, <laughs> so it's nice not to be in that place, you know? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That could be a lonely place. That can be a really lonely place, you know, because, well, I remember when I first started waking up and. It was really, uh, it was about 2004, 2003, um, you know, when when everyone just started to have internet in their homes and you suddenly had access to all of this information that you you never, you could, you know, you never had access to before. And people around me thought that I was nuts, so I just didn't talk about it. I remember watching some documentaries on, like, you know, 9-11 conspiracies and... Um, you know, extraterrestrials being hidden by the um, the military and things like that. But it's good to know that there are other people out there like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of us out there. And that's the nice thing. I mean, ultimately, uh, loneliness is, uh, and this is something that I'm, I know Kramer recently talked about on his, his, his last uh, uh, kind of seminar he did at Omega Institute over there in New York. Um, he talked about, you know, loneliness, like it's, it's essential. You know what I mean? Like that, that loneliness on that path of, uh, wisdom ultimately that, that you start. Um, if you look back at life and you look and you look at that loneliness, you kind of, you kind of want to like, you kind of reach back to that person who was lonely, who felt so alone and just kind of almost like reach out and say, well, for one thing, it gets better, okay? Like, it gets better. But also, savor this because, man, what's going on now is amazing. You're going to love the way this turns out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always good to – that's why the Internet is such a useful tool for people that are wakening up is that you can reach out and find people that are that are on the same wavelength because it can be very isolating. Um, I know li- living in Ireland, <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm an astrologer and like people think that I'm like some kind of, you know, devil cat <laughs> trying to bewitch their husbands. But um, yeah, it can be lonely. It's always good to find other people that, that have the same interests and share ideas like we're doing now. Yeah, oh, definitely. And that... Uh, how do I put it? Do you think, now I know this is kind of maybe an obvious question, but I would say, do you think we are in the age of Aquarius? Because I've oftentimes thought that, I think it was what, 1974, I forget what year it was, but the first nuclear explosion to me often, I, I often kind of thought the first nuclear test was the beginning, like it was definitely part of that transit into 
uh, the age of Aquarius, because that's very Aquarian. Let's have a nuclear explosion. Boom, this massive release of energy. May not be very healthy for the planet, but that's kind of Aquarius to me showing up. But regardless of if, whether that's when it started or not, um, this world that we're living in, definitely with the internet, with this type of communication that we're doing right now, I mean, this to me really signifies we are entering the, that age of Aquarius. Yeah, it does seem that way. You know, I don't think that we have, up, you know, maybe we're, we're on the edge of it right now. But, and it's funny that you mentioned that because a couple of big planets, I call the, you know, the outer planets, the big planets, because they're the most potent and they have the most impact in the world around us. Well, Saturn is actually entering Aquarius in March for a brief while before it goes retrograde and then goes back into Capricorn. But then it will go into Aquarius for good in December and that's going to be a real shift in energy and I think that it's an encouraging sign first of all that we are going to be maybe making progress in terms of like the refugee crisis and these issues with boundaries I'm really big on boundaries I think it's really healthy and I think that if we want to see um, changes in the world that we have to on a more personal level start with ourselves because wh whatever way that we live our lives every day is going to reflect in the world around us so maybe things like um, the coronavirus or whatever virus is going to be next can teach people to have better boundaries um, because a, like a, a virus has no boundaries um, so if we kind of practice being more scrupulous with uh, the way that we, we live our li lives and just having tighter boundaries with who we allow into our lives that we'll see it reflected in the world. And then Pluto goes into Aquarius, um, not for another couple of years, but that's going to be really big. Honestly, I do expect things to get a bit wacky like before we, before we reach the good stuff and before we are able to live in harmony with each other. I think it's going to get a bit sci-fi. Um, let's hope it's not too bad. But I think after about five years, maybe five, six years from now, we're going to be seeing more of the positive side of the age of Aquarius. And one thing about everyone living in harmony, I think definitely what's important is, like you're saying, live in harmony with ourselves because... Um, it's something that I think Rudolph, well, Rudolf Steiner talked about it, um, and you know, well, many have really that there is like a new Earth, and to some extent, um, if there is an evolutionary progression for humanity, well, you cannot, you can do it now. You know what I mean? You can. Uh, that really is like the wisdom path. That really is the spiritual path. Is that you personally within that powerful self-awareness and you cultivate that and your ability to create an easy life for yourself because you can manifest and you have your nice you, you make your little you know nice house nice life and you can have a nice little spot to meditate and you, you like you have your alpacas in the backyard you know you make life the way you really really want it and from that powerful place then you can then you can even go deeper and deeper and deeper and it seems like at least i'm sensing in this time right now that oh yeah I mean, the world is nuts. Oh, yeah, by far. It certainly is. But at the same time, there seems to be a lot of, I call it cosmic energy coming in. And there's a lot of reasons why that 
is happening that we could go into, but it would take a while. So let's look, there's a lot more cosmic energy entering the, uh, our Earth plane right now, or our Earth ball, whatever one wants to call it, our consciousness. And so we're becoming, if we so choose, more powerful in our own wisdom path, our own spiritual journey, and our own ability to create that really the new world, you might say, a better world, is ours now if we just earnestly work on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. We have to start on ourselves. And the first thing that we need to do is not to get so caught up in, you know, the stuff that we see in the media because it's not necessarily, well, probably never going to be the truth. So we have to break that cycle of fear and worry and, you know, worrying about the plague and worrying about this and that. So just start with yourself. Like, don't try not to watch the news. I don't. Um, try not to see horrible images on Facebook, you know, limit the time that you spend on there. Focus your energies on art, on beautiful things, meditating, spending time in nature, spending time with your family. Focus on all of the good and the beauty that you have because there's so much of it. There's so much beauty in this world still, but we tend to focus on the bad things that cause fear. And we're not going to be able to awaken properly um, when everyone is still living in this kind of fear energy. So I would say, yeah, just focus on your family, focus on your partner, your kids, Try not to get so caught up in, you know, all of the horrible things that are happening in the world. Because quite often, there's really nothing that we can do about it. But the more that we kind of change our frequencies, and the more that we have this kind of positive frequency, the less those things will happen. Yeah, I tend to think of it as a, right now we're living in a time where this kind of a digital versus an analog life, you know? So you've got digital, you've got your iPhone, then you've got analog, and that's nature, you know? And it's funny, it's nice to be my age, I guess, I'm 50 even, um, where I can remember uh, records, and I can remember when, like, my, when we were kids, um, we would just run, when we were young, we'd just run out of the house first thing in the morning, and then we'd come back, like, we're supposed to be home before dark, and our parents didn't worry about us, you know? And yeah. we had this, like, I call it an analog life. We ate bugs. We threw dirt at each other. We, <laughs> you know, we, yeah. We, yeah, we had records and we rode bikes and we, uh, we didn't wear helmets on our bikes, you know, and we, I mean, I'm very lucky in that uh, there was nature right there outside the door. And so you, you, you grew up with um, an experience of nature. You grow up seeing seasons you know, seeing seed ponds that have seeds that become new trees. I mean, really, it was an amazing life. And even technology then was, you had a rotary phone that made the neat sound. You kind of twirled it and all. So it seems like I'm finding that there is a need to, at this time, uh, cultivate analog, as I call it. So digital, that's your phone. That's the internet. That's technology. That's all of that. And that's Neat. It, it, it is a good thing ultimately, but really I'm learning that, man, you've got to spend, you got to, to be healthy, you need to really go like 90% analog, like 10% digital, like do your work on the computer, do your work on the phone, do, do what you do and it's good to go and enjoy it and have fun. But at the same time, 
um, you really got to go out and climb some trees and listen to records and be with people and uh, also things like a yoga class go and do yoga you know what I mean there really is yeah. this, this this need to I'm amazed at how far I've gone into a digital life when I was born in an analog one but my life went digital and now I have to actually deliberately ensure my life is more analog yeah yeah you're right yeah we do have to make that effort because it's so you know being on your phone all the time is like really addictive but I remember even growing up in Northern Ireland during the 80s, which was a bad, you know, it was quite a hard time because there was a lot of terrorism. Even with the threat of that, I still got up at like 7 o'clock in the morning on the weekends and I went out and, you know, went up my horse in the countryside or I met my friends and we were always outside on our bikes and our parents didn't seem to worry as much then but now it's like you know you're terrified to let your child go out into the street in case there's a pedophile living there but yeah we do need to detox we need to detox and that will help our our health and our immune systems as well to turn off the wi-fi go and get some sunlight on your skin you know i think one of the worst things that they ever did was to make us fear the sun everyone's deficient in vitamin D uh you know the sun is if you just go out there and you feel it on your face you feel your energy your aura is cleansed by that and you know it's so sad that people are too scared to do that without sunscreen yeah and then sunscreen you know has been uh found to be well I, I won't make any medical claims of course on the show for entertainment purposes only but <laughs> but you know some have found it to be uh not so good for you you know yeah that it's better like hey you know if you're fair skinned to get some sun just don't get too much use common sense like we used to have back in the day <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, we also used to have more sunlight back in the day. Yes. You know, the, the the sky wasn't obscured by this thick gray cloud that only seems to appear after it's been sprayed with chemtrails. Yes. Uh, you know, like the sun is shining, there's not a cloud in the sky, and then a plane flies past. The next thing, it's just gray everywhere. There's no sunlight. It's a strange thing, yeah. We, we experience that too here, of course, and um, yeah, it it's weird how nature has changed, and now there's supposedly new kinds of clouds, you know that that. Yeah. And you're like, wait a second, new kinds of clouds. Well, wait a second. Um, in the history of the Earth, I don't think there's been different clouds. I think there's just been clouds, right? There's these different ones, and now there's new clouds. That doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing. Uh, what what the empire gets away with and definitely chemtrails are a big one that's a huge topic and that goes to show the i think really the spiritual war that is going on um because that that's so deep i mean right there like blocking out the sun well you know there's endless conjecture as to why but definitely you know, some might say that that's our spiritual source and it's being obstructed. You know, do they want to control climate, etc.? Oh my gosh, that's that's that is a huge one. I myself really, there's so much, you know, out there about that. But I really, uh, 
it, it, it seems like I just look at like any diabolical reason somebody can come up with why they're doing that. I'll go, it's good. I buy it. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I think there's like a hundred different horrible reasons why that's happening. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy. But hopefully, you know, hopefully we're coming to the end of that. Um, all of this craziness and nonsense. Um, I have noticed that there's been less cam trailing recently. So hopefully that's that stays um that way i think so well i do think that this thing there there is a i do believe in that i do think there is an awakening that is happening and um you know i think it will continue and i think sometimes when you're in the heat of battle you don't really know if you're winning or not you just know that you're fighting you know what i mean and i think that's kind of where we're at and um you know, no war is won without a couple lost battles for sure. And, uh, you know, you really can't uh, give up. I mean, I'm not really a big sports fan, but I, you know, have watched some sports, you know, and if, if you watch sometimes, you know, I'm amazed at how a team will keep fighting even when, man, they're down so many points, there's no chance. Then they turn around and they win, you know. So I look at it and, uh, War might be a sloppy word to use, but definitely I think there is that kind of spiritual war going on. And uh, I guess really the nice thing about it is the way you win, like we've kind of been talking about, is you just work on yourself. You get to that new earth internally. You you begin to uh, resonate that light, and then it is created. And really, um, I hate to sound somewhat selfish, but if you're there, well, whatever, rest of the world <laughs> You know, you're you're at where you're at. I'm there, and I'm I have a firm foundation there. I'm I'm loving the new Earth life. I'm loving the new Earth people that are part of the fellowship, like you. And I'm like, hey, rest of the world, you know, catch up because it's 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 so much better over here. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It's fantastic over here. And we have cookies. We have cookies over here. We do. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like gluten free. They're like, you know, they're, uh, you know, <laughs> almond, almond flour. And <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And we have, and not only do we have like, you know, for the carnivores, we have your stack of meat. We also have vegan food. You know, we got, we got it all. It's all here. You're, you're good, you know. It's great. Um, Thomas Sheridan's over here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're all here. We're and all I think, here. You know, yeah. I think that that's, you know, so, there are people out there, and I know because, you know, when I do readings, someone contacts me for a, re- a reading and they tell me that they're feeling lonely because they're awake. They can't find anyone else. So they should, you know, search on the internet for groups, meetup groups, a meditation group, a yoga group. Just find people that are, you know, similar and then you won't be so lonely. You won't be so isolated because I think that people have this terrible fear that they're weird and, you know, like everyone around them is going to be, is going to find their views um, to be ridiculous. But actually, there are way more people like us than we ever, than we ever, ever thought possible. Oh, absolutely. And I would say that um, loneliness is a rite of passage. And uh, I spent, you know, plenty and plenty of years, decades, whatever, lonely. And then that passed. And I look back at that time 
and I want to tell myself to savor it more because it was wonderful, you know. Um, and then once you get to that point where you're not lonely, um, it's weird, but it's not because you even have a fellowship around you. You're just not lonely anymore. Very hard for me to articulate. I don't know how really, but um, if a person is lonely, I would say savor it. What's the big deal? You know, yeah. it's, it, it really is okay. It really is. And uh, you're not alone and you will get over it. And when you get over it, you'll miss loneliness. You'll be like, damn, I, w- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish I'd spent more time. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, if we look at the myths, all of the ancient myths, uh, the gods will go through the underworld and they're alone and they're fighting all of these demons and, you know, everything's dark and um yeah it's a rite of passage don't worry you'll get out the other side where the sun is shining and the grass is green absolutely because you find this situation where you know the the caterpillar becomes the butterfly and you know the caterpillar eventually becomes well water goo it totally disintegrates then becomes the butterfly and really i think it's where we find ourselves when we're in between worlds you might say um when in in the underworld like you realize who are you what is your guidance when you realize that maybe a lot about who you think you are is arbitrary and then you know it's a whole show and 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 we'll do it in the future (laughs) basically (laughs) what is that golden thread like 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 what is that what is it that pulled you? You know, like what is that future pull that got you through it all? And that can be our next one that we'll do because really, um, I think yeah, for those people who are lonely, for those people who are struggling, um, there's a you that is you, but you don't know yet that is with you. And even when you're not you, and you disintegrate it, and you become the new you, <laughs> yeah, you were yes. always there. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> It's true. I mean, for like myself, I personally always struggled, never fit in. You know, I went to like a private school and I, you know, I spent a lot of my time staring out of the window because I wasn't, I wasn't interested. And, you know, growing up in like a quite a, you know, narrow minded country that's quite dominated by Christianity. I always felt that I was, you know, I didn't fit in and it is, it was lonely, but I guess in the last 10 years, um, especially the more that I progress within my astrology career, I meet so many people that are like me. And actually, I'm surrounded by people that are like me for the first time ever. And it's wonderful. That's perfect. And well, that is a great place to wrap this session up, you know? Yeah. So thank you so much, Fiona Edgar, for being on the show again. I love, after that first interview, doing, you know, follow-ups with people where we just hang out and talk. It's so much easier and because the ice was already broken long ago. So it's been great having you on. I hope to again, and I think this is a good topic we'll do in the future, that like that golden thread that has always been guiding you. And with that said, where can people get a hold of you? Because people definitely should get their chart done by you if they have interests. Sure. My website address is www.fionaedgar.com. That's A-E-D-G-A-R. You can find me on Facebook. Just search for Fiona Edgar and you'll find my personal and my business page. Perfect. 
Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and I will, we will talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Craig. It's been lovely. I'll chat to you soon. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You are listening to Radiant Creators, a collaborative project composed of people whose passion, purpose, and dedication requires forging their own unique path of empowerment and livelihood. A Radiant Creator isn't making a living, they are living.